Welcome back to The Rollout. I'm Jeff Pratt, and joining me as always is Trent Henrich. How's it going, Trent? It's going well. Really enjoying this heat wave we're having. I know, man. It's starting to finally feel like summer. Anyway, today we're going to be doing another Twitter mailbag Q&A. I have a list of questions you guys sent me on Twitter, and Trent and I are going to work through them. So, why don't we get right into it? Trent, are you ready for the first question? Let's hear it, Jeff. All right. From Fantasy Football Addict, who will have the better fantasy season, Robert Woods or Cooper Cup? I think we're definitely going to have differing opinions on this one. Uh, I, I'm not that high uh, on the Robert Woods train. I'm more of a Cooper Cup type of guy, especially with how he did last year. He finished as wide receiver four. I know his numbers kind of tailed off towards the end of the season when Higby was more involved. I just think it's tough to pass on a guy who you know can put up, you know, top five wide receiver numbers at his ADP, which is uh, it's pretty low for where he, he finished last year. And then you have Robert Woods, who is good. Don't get me wrong. I just think his ceiling is a lot lower than Cooper Cubs is. And for that reason, especially in PPR, I prefer to have Cup. See, that's interesting. You know, I didn't know we were going to disagree on this. And uh, I am going to go with Robert Woods simply because, as you mentioned, Trent, Cooper Cup's production really did start to tail off at the end of the season last year. I think the statistic is that uh, the last six weeks he didn't finish. He didn't have a top 15 fantasy finish in any of those weeks. And that's really as Tyler Higby started to emerge and they run a lot of the similar routes. They have a really Higby likes to eat into Cubs production and his touches. And I think that if he can really take the next step and become more reliable, as a lot of people are thinking he can next year, that's going to be a problem for Cooper Cup. And then Robert Woods, who works more on the outside of the uh, outside of the lines as a wideout. He just lost his biggest uh, competitor for targets in Brandon Cooks. He's the only true wideout out there. And, you know, Robert Woods, if there's one thing he is, it's consistent. You're right, Trent. He might not have the ceiling that Cooper Cup do, uh, does have, but I think his floor is also a lot safer than Cups this year. See, I don't – I think in PPR, I think Cooper Cups, you know, per game floor is actually higher because he's more of a volume guy whereas Robert Woods is more of a big play type of wide receiver on the outside. And that, that is why I prefer Cooper Cup. I mean, when you're drafting him, you're looking at them, uh, you know, in the middle, middle to late third round. And, you know, I think Cooper Cup, he's pre-draft ranked 38. Melvin, uh, Robert Woods is 41. So you're looking at those two guys, and you really it's a toss-up um, because you're not stretching for either. If you have a pick around there and – you know, personally, I like what Cooper Cup offers, you know, and Jeff likes what Robert Woods offers. They're both solid wide receivers to have. And, you know, the, the biggest uh, target or carry guy in, in uh, Todd Gurley is out of there. So the ball has to go somewhere. It's most likely going to go in the air, and it's most likely going to go to both of these guys. So it can't hurt to have either one on your roster. Yeah, you know, I agree. But I will point out, Trent, that Cooper Cup actually only had four more catches than Robert Woods last year, and he did not see more than 10 targets per game in his last nine weeks on the field. So I think this notion that Cooper Cup's more of a volume guy, maybe people are just sleeping on Robert Woods in that aspect because he's very consistent. He sees uh, a good floor of of targets a game, and as we mentioned, Tyler Higby started to eat into Cup's workload a little bit by the end of last year. So if that continues, then I think that Woods could definitely edge him out. 
this year in targets. But I mean, I can't fault you for it because the dude did finish his wide receiver four last year. So I completely understand why we, you would want him. Yeah, both are, are, are good guys and don't be afraid to chase him. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Trent, why don't you uh, we'll send it to you for the next question? Yeah, so this question uh, was sent in from Draft Demons and he asked, would you rather have Marquise Brown, Nikhil Harry, or Deontay Johnson on your team this year? Hmm. That's an interesting one. And I think I'm going to go with the Homer answer and say Nikhil Harry here. I already know Trent's going to pick Marquise Brown because he loves his ceiling. I just don't trust Lamar uh, really with anyone except for Mark Andrews in that Ravens offense throwing the ball. This year, I don't think Hollywood is nearly as reliable as some people do. Uh, I think he's pretty much his ceiling is going to be like a Deshaun Jackson-esque guy where he's going to put off some huge games, have some great numbers, maybe Will Fuller but then he's just going to drop out the face of the earth for a lot of weeks. And then Deontay Johnson's been getting a lot of love as well. A lot of people are predicting him to be the number one wide out for this Pittsburgh team while Juju works in the slot. And they're thinking that those two guys are really going to benefit from each other. Uh, But I just like Nikhil Harry a lot. I know he's been putting the work in. He's a former first round pick uh, out of Arizona State. And as a Patriots fan, you know, we keep eyes on him a lot. He's been working on his footwork and uh, explosiveness, uh, explosiveness Sorry, off the line, really building space. We know he has the physical tools to uh, succeed in this league. And I think that if Cam Newton does end up winning the starting job, he'll really benefit from having that veteran, present, veteran presence under center. And, you know, Tom Brady notoriously doesn't trust rookie or young receivers. Cam Newton doesn't have that same rapport. So that's, that's why I'm taking the kill, Harry. Yeah, for me – I am going to go with Marquise Brown. And my reasoning behind that is, like, I know what Marquise Brown's role in the Ravens' offense is. I can't tell you if Nikhil Harry is even going to have that big role in the Patriots. And Deontay Johnson, the question mark for me is, is Big Ben healthy? And is he their wide receiver? Is he really their wide receiver two? Or is he more of their wide receiver three on that uh, Pittsburgh Steelers offense? I like Marquise Brown. I know he... I mean, he's one of Lamar Jackson's favorite targets. And Lamar Jackson is a lot better throwing quarterback than people give him credit for. I've been trying to preach this the last couple episodes. I mean, look at his completion percentage. I know he likes to run the ball a lot, but he's a very accurate quarterback. And I think you'd be surprised if Marquise Brown works in some shorter routes into his skill set that he could have a very strong fantasy season this year. Yeah, you know, I hope that he proves me wrong, to be honest with you, because I do like Hollywood's skill set. He's extremely fast. If he can polish up his game a little bit, he could be a really dangerous receiver in this league. But that just shows you how high I am on Nikhil Harry, because I will admit that Hollywood is the safer pick here, and he might even have a higher ceiling. But I just love Nikhil Harry in this Patriots offense this year. But, you know, like you said, Trent, is really all unknown. We have no idea what his role is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the next question, it is actually the second from Fantasy Football Addict, and it's a hot take. He wants to hear our opinions on Todd Gurley will be a top five fantasy running back this year. I mean, it's definitely possible. It's a a lot um, more realistic than some of the hot takes we've heard in some different mailbags. Oh yeah, we're both pretty high on Todd Gurley, you and I, and we know he has in the past and he has now the potential to be a top five running back I think honestly what may hurt him the most is he's in a throw first offense and yes he can get some PPR value but he he was and it still is one of those workhorse backs that require a lot of touches 
and they put up decent numbers. I just there are there, I think there are at least five guys who I am more confident in going into this fantasy season saying they can, uh, you know, finish ahead of, of Todd Gurley. But as a hut take, I think it's a, a very good call. I could definitely, you know, fathom it happening. Uh, I, I think I think Todd Gurley could be a top five running back. Yeah, I mean, I like it too. Um, as you said, Trent, you and I are both really high on Gurley going into this year. And I do like his uh, potential in this high-octane Falcons offense, especially as a pass-catching back, which I think is an underrated portion of his game. But as you mentioned, this is a run or a pass-first team. I don't think Devontae Freeman, who's the number one back on that team the last couple of years, has seen more than 200 carries in the past four years. I know he was injured. Uh, for a couple of those seasons. But still, that tells you that Matt Ryan loves to sling the rock, and they still have guys like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley there who are going to be the number one and number two options. And at the same time, while we've heard reports that Todd Gurley is fully healthy, we will not know until we see it on the practice field if he has that true 2018 MVP caliber season explosiveness back. And we're all rooting for that to happen, but until we see it, I won't feel comfortable saying that he has the potential to reach the status that he was a couple of years ago. But, you know, as a hot take, I like it because we know Todd Gurley has RB1 potential. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of the hot takes I've liked most in some of these mailbags. I think it's the one I can support or get behind the most, and I'd like to see happen. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't we see Devin Singletary will finish this RB2? In the last one, yeah, and we and we also saw we've seen Denzel Mims. We've seen some interesting guys, but I mean Denzel Mims. I mean I get it when you're talking about rookies. At the end of the day, anything could happen. But Devin Singletary finishing as RB two is definitely a questionable one. Yeah, I think this is a a, a very possible hot take, and I, I like I'd love it. to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, Trent. I'll shoot it to you for the next question. Yeah. So our next question is actually a hot take. It comes from Myers thirty four, and he says Michael Thomas isn't a top three fantasy wide receiver this year. Jeff, you know, how do you I feel about it. that? I love it. And you know you know that I would love this. Um, just because I'm not that high on Michael Thomas from a pure football standpoint, I don't think he's a top three talent uh, at the receiver position in the league. He just benefited from seeing an ungodly volume from Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater last year. Um, and I don't think he's going to see that same volume with a reliable number two target in uh, Emmanuel Sanders and a healthy Jared Cook and a potential rookie breakout season from Adam Troutman. Alvin Kamara is going to be healthy, hopefully, for the entire year. I just think all of those factors will lead to Michael Thomas not finishing as a top three fantasy wide receiver. And the only way he's going to get there is if he benefits from the amount of times the Saints are going to be in the red zone because with that offense, they're going to score a ton of points. But if I had to pick guys who I would take over Michael Thomas this year, it would be Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, and... um, DeAndre Hopkins. So I pick all those three guys before Michael Thomas, honestly. Are you saying you pick them? If we're saying if I'm drafting, like I, I will never be in the position where I will take Michael Thomas in the first round. We'll put it that way. I just don't feel comfortable doing it. I understand why he has to be the number one guy, the number one wide receiver off the board, just like Christian McCaffrey has to be the number one running back off the board because you don't risk passing up on talent like that. But I will never do that. So if you have the ninth pick in a fantasy draft and Michael Thomas is there, you're passing on him. If I have the ninth pick in a fantasy draft and Michael Thomas is there, and then you have a running back like Joe Mixon or Josh Jacobs, I'm taking Joe Mixon or Josh Jacobs. Okay. Or if a wider, or let's say all the running backs are gone and you have the next pick and you have Michael Thomas, 
Cleo Jones, Devontae Adams. Oh, then I'll then, then I'll take Michael Thomas, I guess. Yeah. But because like like I said, it's all about like it's all about taking the risk reward for their ADP. I do think I like Julio, and honestly, I might take Julio over him because I'm really high on Julio this year. We just talked about this Falcons offense. They lost Mohamed Sanu and Austin Hooper. Julio is going to be hopefully healthy this year uh, and see an enormous workload. Same for Devontae Adams. I think both of those guys are in a better position to see more targets than Michael Thomas this year. So when push comes to shove, I will never be in that position, like you said, Trent, and I know it's a good hypothetical where all those guys drop. I don't foresee myself ever being in that position, but if I do, you know, I, I honestly think about it. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. For, for me, I do think Michael Thomas uh, is a top three wide receiver or he will finish as a top three wide receiver. I think he'll finish as three, though. I don't think he re- repeats at one. I just think that his skill set and his volume just equate to a top three wide receiver. The guys I think who are going to finish above him are Julio Jones and Devontae Adams in no specific order. I think those guys are going to see more volume than Julio Jones and are are as skilled, if not more skilled, in different ways than Michael Thomas. Um, but it's just hard to ignore uh, how much volume Michael Thomas sees on the Saints and having one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Uh, you know, as your quarterback, it's really hard to not say Michael Thomas is a top three wide receiver, in my opinion, at least for this season. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. And one thing that we do have to take into account is it's hard to repeat as a top three skill position player in fantasy. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. Michael Thomas had a fantastic season, one of the best individual seasons we've seen from a wide receiver of all time. And I'm not trying to knock him on that or take that away from him because it was incredible, but it was really a product of the environment he was in. And I just think that they're going to be more capable receivers in this Saints offense this year. And I think that's going to take some of that volume away from him. Hey, that's fair. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I love to see it, though. I, I like that hot take, too. I think we're seeing more realistic hot takes this uh, this episode. Yeah, I, I definitely agree about that. There's uh, definitely some, some some hot takes I can get behind a lot easier than some other ones we've heard. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Coming back to me for the next question we have from Jacksonian. How do you feel about OBJ from a fantasy standpoint this year? I think... I never really doubted um, OBJ in fantasy just because of how talented he is. I think it's more a question mark of does Baker Mayfield and this offense figure things out? Will Baker Mayfield finally live up to the expectations people have for him? Um, If so, I think OBJ really benefits from that. Uh, He finally has that high caliber quarterback thrown to him. Um, You know, I, I like OBJ. I, I'm not a guy who's going to pass on drafting him in the right position. I definitely will pull the trigger on OBJ just because he, he arguably is a top five you know, talent-based wide receiver in, in the NFL. It's hard to ignore that. And he puts up pretty consistent numbers. He's not really – he's, he's going to see the volume to put up uh, a good stat line and be worth where you're drafting him. Yeah, you know, that's fair. I mean – his talent is undeniable. Like, you look at the dude play. I know he hasn't been playing at an elite level for the last three years because of injuries and uh, whatnot, but you watch him play and you know that he's elite. Um, at the same time, though, I'm not the biggest fan of OBJ from a fantasy standpoint this year, and I've had this conversation uh, on my Twitter account, Hotline Fantasy. If you don't follow me already, go check it out. Um, with a couple of followers and other people uh, over the last couple of days, and 
um, a lot of people are high on OBJ, and they're predicting a really big bounce back uh, year for him this season, and I just don't see that. And it's not a knock on OBJ's talent. It's just the fact that he's in a run-first system with Kevin Stefanski, who finally has a competent head coach to work with, but look at who this head coach has been playing with and the system he's been building his offense around in Minnesota. It's been around Dalvin Cook, and now he comes to Cleveland, and he has a guy in Nick Chubb that's very similar to Dalvin Cook, so that offense is going to look look a lot like what Kirk Cousins and the Vikings were playing with uh, in Minnesota. So it's going to be run first. And then at the same time, OBJ, he will be freed up on the outside, but he's also competing with two very capable receiving threats in Austin Hooper and Jarvis Landry for touches. So like you said, Trent, I think I'd be willing to take OBJ at the right price, maybe late third, early fourth. If he slipped to me, I'd be ecstatic, but I'm not reaching for him the third because I think his uh, ceiling is a little bit capped because of the offense he's in. Yeah, definitely don't reach for OBJ. Uh, I think there are better wide receivers. There's a lot of wide receivers, actually, that you and I both like in that you know late third, early fourth round. But if he does drop to that fourth round, it's definitely a guy you have to draft just based on his talent alone, um, regardless of the situation he's in. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Trent, let's throw it to you for the next question. Yeah, so the next question comes from Fantasy, Fantasy Thoughts. Uh, he asks, what do you think of the Bucks' backfield from a fantasy perspective? That's a good question. And it's a question that I find myself asking far too much when I'm drafting. And I usually uh, fall into that pit. But honestly, I'm just staying away from Keyshawn Vaughn at all costs. Uh, I've heard that the Bucks think he's lazy uh, from a couple insider sources that I've talked to a little bit and that he's not really reading the playbook as much as they want or putting the work in. Whereas Ronald Jones... Uh, the Bucks GM has come out and said that they have full confidence in him. Uh, Rojo racked up over a thousand total yards from scrimmage last season, started to come into his own at the end of the year. I think that he has a great chance to be the go-to back on this team if he can build Tom Brady's trust and especially work on improving his uh, pass catching game. So I, I feel comfortable taking Rojo maybe as a flex option or as your third running back off the board, I do not want to as one of my top two running backs, uh, that's for sure, because Vaughn, there's always a chance he could surprise us. Um, but yeah, I'd feel comfortable taking Rojo anywhere from probably the seventh to the ninth round, but I'm staying away from Vaughn this year. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, more of a fan of Ronald Jones rather than Keyshawn Vaughn. One of the bigger factors for me in this is Keyshawn Vaughn uh, comes from not a powerhouse football school. He played at Vanderbilt. He's also a third-round pick. He wasn't a very highly touted prospect, and he wasn't, you know, a bit. He didn't go to a big-name school and get produced by, you know, some of those bigger, uh, more polished head coach, head coaches. Uh, I, I, Ronald Jones did start to show some flashes of being able to handle a workload last season. Um, I think he has the potential to be a good running back, but in general, I do lean towards a, a, a void drafting Buccaneers running backs this year. I don't like how it could be a committee. And I think they didn't just go out and get Brady for, for no reason. They're going to utilize him, and he will be throwing the ball quite a bit. Um, so I, I, I personally would say, you know, avoid the Buccaneers backfield. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'm not especially high on either one of them. And in reality, if they're going to succeed, they're going to have to prove that they can be effective pass-catching backs because that's the only way you're going to earn Tom Brady's trust out of the backfield. Look at what James White was able to do the last couple of seasons. He put together a top 10 fancy uh, PPR campaign a couple of years ago. Was it 2018, Trent? 
Yeah, I believe it was 2018. Yeah, so as he's shown, you don't have to be the most effective rusher, but if you prove that you can be a competent safety valve for Brady, you're going to put together points. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right. So moving on, we have two questions from Fantasy Monsters. Uh, they are the same style of questions, so I think we might as well rattle them both off at the same time, Trent. They are, who's your first, who is your dark horse to finish as QB1 and a wide receiver one this year? So why don't we tackle QB1 first, Trent? Okay. I would say by dark horse, uh, I've been preaching about him. I think he, in, in the awards episode, I said I think he can get Offensive Player of the Year and possibly MVP, and that's Drew Brees. Uh, I think that you know they've added some good targets for him to throw to, and he's historically put up many 5,000-yard seasons. He has arguably his best offense in his career this year, and I'm high on the Saints in general going pretty far. I think they're going to be competing in almost every game. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. I think Drew Brees can definitely be a guy that could finish as QB1, Definitely a dark horse saying he's a, uh, you know, he's a probably 11th round quarterback, 10th round quarterback. If I had to choose another name that was a, maybe a less of a dark horse, I think I'd go with Russell Wilson. I think he carries the Seahawks year in and year out. Um, but for a true dark horse, I'd go with Drew Brees. I like it. Yeah, I mean, we know Drew Brees has the ability to be that guy. He's put together, what, is it five or six 5,000-yard seasons now, Trent? And Thanks, no one else is- yeah, no one else has put together more than one. So Drew Brees, especially in this offense, if you are counting him out, you're making a grave mistake this year. So I like that, Trent. Um, for me, if you've been following the podcast, I'm sure Trent knows where I'm going with this, but it's going to be Josh Allen just because of his ability to run the ball uh, and throwing the ball. Now he has an established number one wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. They've been working out a little bit this offseason. I think if they can put together a really good report, it will help. Uh, Josh Allen and his inac- his accuracy issues, uh, which has really been the biggest bane of his existence in the NFL so far. But from a fantasy perspective, I think he finished as, Q- as QB seven last year. He has all the uh, all the tools necessary to put together a run for a top three finish. Um, I think that you know if he and Diggs can build that good chemistry uh, and he continues to rush the ball at the rate he has been for the past couple of years, he could definitely be a dark horse candidate for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Trent. So uh, who's your dark horse to finish as wide receiver one this year? If I was to take a, a pretty decently deep dark horse, I think I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. You took my guy. Oh, man, I'm sorry. That's all right. Hey, I mean, I love it, though. Keep yeah. going. They, I mean, they lost Diggs, uh, and, you know, Stefanski's gone. So this offense may start to shift a little bit more in trust with Kirk Cousins. Uh, also, there's question marks on – if Dalvin Cook's even going to play. So if Alexander Madison is a starting running back for this Vikings team, we're going to see a complete switch flipped, and it's going to be a throwing offense most likely. And Adam Thielen is, you know, he is the guy for the wide receiving core. He is who Kirk Cousins is going to throw to. And we've seen Adam Thielen, when he plays a full season, he could put up, honestly, wide receiver five numbers. Um, And so I know he has the potential to be number one wide receiver and having the target adjacent to him, Stephon Diggs, leaving and going to Buffalo, Adam Thielen can definitely uh, make a run for that number one wide receiver. Yeah, you know, I like it. And as you said, even if Dalvin Cook does end up starting uh, for this Viking teams and playing and not holding out, I think Adam Thielen has the great opportunity to make a push for that. But 
just for the sake of not having the same answer, I was planning on going Adam Thielen, uh, but I'll go with Juju. Um, and this is all relying on the fact that it can Big Ben stay healthy for the entirety of this season. And if he can do that and Deontay Johnson takes this next step at being that wideout presence like Antonio Brown was and what Steelers fans are really hoping he can develop into, we look at what Juju was able to do in 2018, 111 receptions for over 1400 yards and seven touchdowns the man was a monster working out of the slot he's only going to continue trending towards playing uh out of that position on the field and if Deontay Johnson can become a reliable target for Big Ben drawing double teams away from Juju why not yeah absolutely I mean couldn't agree more if I had to give another name who was a dark horse but has really moved up in rankings would have been Kenny Galladay I think he's also a guy who has a really good quarterback and is the sole target on his team, in my opinion. But, yeah, I think we both agree with Adam Thielen as, as, as being a really suitable guy. And Juju, if Big Ben's healthy, I could definitely see that scenario uh, playing out as well, especially if he gets some time out of the slot. So I love our picks with that one. It was a great question. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'll throw it to you now, Trent. Yeah, so this is a second question from Fantasy Thoughts. And he asked, which Texans wide receiver are you the highest on this year fantasy-wise? See, it's a pretty straightforward question, but it's still a good question because for me, the answer is Brandon Cooks, especially at his current ADP. I think you can snag him anywhere from the 7th to the 10th round, depending on what uh, scoring format you're playing in. And we look at Cooks. I feel like we talk about him every podcast, but prior to last season, he put together five straight 1,000-plus yard uh, seasons. So the dude, and that's in an offense where he had other receiving threats, and sometimes he was working as the number two or even number three receiver uh, for that organization and now he has the chance to step in and become Deshaun Watson's unquestioned number one guy sort of taking over for DeAndre Hopkins obviously he doesn't have the same skill set or ceiling but for that reason alone I love Brandon Cooks in this Texans offense as long as he can stay healthy but I also like Will Fuller for the same reasons if he can stay healthy too he is such a talented player and I also like uh, Randall Cobb um, for the Texans as well. He's slightly further down the depth chart. but um, And I'm sorry if you hear scratching in the background. Uh, there's a dog trying to get in my door. But um, uh, I, the reason I really like Randall Cobb is because Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks are just so unreliable with their injuries that Cobb could uh, step in and put together big numbers if one or even both of those guys go down. Yeah, I agree. I think this is an interesting one. It's kind of like the uh, Rams wide receivers you're talking about with Woods and Cooper Cup. Uh, they were both ranked right next to each other, and it's the same scenario here for the Houston wideouts. Cooks is at pre-draft 80, or roughly 80, and Will Fuller is roughly at 81. Um, but there's that, I think, like Jeff said, there's a definitive answer here. Brandon Cooks uh, is the guy that I'd be chasing. I think he has the potential to. Honestly, he has the upside of, of finishing and a top 15 wide receiver, even though he's ranked as wide receiver at 35. I think that, you know, Watson is a very strong quarterback. He needs a good target to go to. And Cooks has the history of, of, of putting out a thousand yard seasons. I think he can do that, uh, especially this year with an upgraded quarterback. So a big fan of, of Brandon Cooks in this offense. Um, and I think, I don't know. I, I, I don't think Will Fuller, uh, can produce as much as Brandon Cooks. He's more of a deep ball guy. Uh, so I'd go with Brandon Cooks if I had to take one guy from the wide receiving core here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Cooks is definitely the guy. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So moving on to my final question uh, from Jack FF. 
we have a start bench cut, which we actually dedicated an entire episode to, which you, you should go check out right now because that was a really fun episode to do. But he says, start bench cut, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, and Keenan Allen. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah, those are really guys I like a lot. Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, and Keenan Allen. I think that I I'm really high on AJ Brown. I'm gonna start I'm gonna start AJ Brown um, wow. for, for for the reasons of I think he is the sole target uh, on that Titans offense. I know Derrick Henry is gonna get a heavy workload. He just resigned the contract, but I mean the football teams throw the ball. They have they don't have a choice. I mean the the only anomaly I can think of is when Jimmy Garoppolo threw like eight passes in the playoffs. But usually you see, you know, 20 to 30 passes a game at minimum, and they have to go to someone. Uh, so I think A.J. Brown is going to see the maturity of any uh, ball that are thrown this season. I think he'll probably see hopefully close to, you know, 130, 140 targets this season, a big ju- uh, jump from this past year. I would bench Keenan Allen. I really like uh, the consistent, consistency Keenan Allen has put up over the years. Um, the, I think the biggest question mark is who is his quarterback and how do they perform? Uh, but Jeff and I have talked in the past on the, on the podcast about how Keenan Allen, it may not matter who his quarterback is just because of you know how talented a player he is. Uh, and then I cut Calvin Ridley. The only reason I'm cutting Calvin Ridley in this scenario is he's in the most crowded offense out of the three of them. I think Calvin Ridley may be, uh, have the most potential career-wise um, compared to maybe A.J. Brown and Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's already had a pretty established career. Um, but I like what Calvin Ridley has, and you know he's behind Julio Jones learning a lot, but I'd still have to cut uh, Calvin Ridley in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I knew you were going to go with A.J. Brown. You're really high on him. Man, I'm going to take this the completely opposite direction, uh, and I'm going to start Calvin Ridley just because the man is a touchdown machine. He's, put to, he's uh, scored... 17 times over his first two seasons in the league. He's also racked up two straight 63-plus reception seasons, and he was injured for, I think, three or four games last year, so we never really got to show his full potential as this uh, number two wide receiver for the Falcons, which is what he's going to be. He doesn't have to compete with Mohamed Sanu or Austin Hooper for targets uh, this year. Obviously, Hayden Hurst is coming in, and I like him a lot, but he's not going to be getting the same amount of volume as either of those guys were, especially Hooper. Um, I like Ridley a lot. Uh, he's been putting in the work this offseason. We've all been seeing the routes he's been running. He's been posting some crazy videos of him just absolutely torturing college defensive backs in uh, pickup scrimmages that he's been running out in Atlanta. But I just love Calvin Ridley in his high-octane offense. Uh, I think he's going to score a ton, and he's finally going to rack up um, his first 1,000-plus-yard season. He's probably going to see around 80 catches as well. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I'm going to start Calvin Ridley. And then I am going to bench Keenan Allen. That's because, you know, when you talk about consistency, Keenan Allen isn't necessarily the first name that comes to mind, but in reality, he should be. He's racked up three straight 97-plus reception seasons. The man is an absolute monster. I don't care who he has at quarterback. He's still going to be a wide receiver two as his floor with high wide receiver one potential. And then I am going to cut A.J. Brown. Trent, I know you love him, but I'm just not sold on Tannehill throwing him the ball or the system that he's working in with the run-heavy uh offense that they're running with Derrick Henry, who they just signed to an extension and pretty much committed to building their offense around for the rest of the uh, foreseeable future. That's fair. I just, I, I 
really can't even name many wideouts on that Titans team. I know they used to have Corey Davis. I'm He's still doing all right there. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he didn't pan out the way he, we everyone thought he should, though. And I just think AJ Brown, even on limited numbers last year, put up such a stellar season. If he can see a decent bump in targets and and his catches stay uh, at a high rate, I really like AJ Brown this season. But this is why we have these conversations. We both have differing opinions, uh, and you get a, a different outlook from each of us. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, me cutting AJ Brown is really not a reflection of his talent. It's just a reflection of how I feel, uh, the bit, how big a difference there is between Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, it's definitely fair. I mean, Tannehill does not match up with Matt Ryan at all. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Trent, so why don't you take us to our final question of the night? Yeah, for the final question, uh, it was asked by Sin City Fantasy, and he asked, who's one player that you believe is being slept on too heavily heading into this year? Hmm. You know... I was initially going to say Keenan Allen, actually. And uh, I think I'm going to stick with it just because for the reasons I said, I mean, three straight 97 plus reception seasons. Uh, he's been doing it with, you know, Philip Rivers, at quarterback, who's a decent quarterback, but he's nothing spectacular. And I think Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert can both be decent QBs. And the mark of an elite wide receiver is being able to put up big numbers with a not so great quarterback. I mean, look what Kenny Galladay was able to do with David Blau as a QB for the majority of the year last year. And then DJ Chark with Gardner Minshew and Nick Foles, who I know Trent, you're really high on those guys, but they're not elite quarterbacks by any means. Uh, and neither is DJ Chark an elite player. But uh, Keenan Allen, I do believe he's a top 10 receiver in this league talent-wise, and he'll find a way to make it work. And he's currently being drafted anywhere from the fourth to the fifth round. So I think that is great value for a potential wide receiver one. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, yeah, that's accurate. I think I, I, I differ my opinion a little bit um, just because, I don't know, it, it's it's tough because he does have a big question mark at quarterback. Um, and and I, I think Gardner Minshew is, is a legit player. And I think that, you know, you said DJ Chark. I, I wouldn't call him elite, but I think he's a, I think he's a very well-rounded and, and pretty well-polished route runner as well. Yeah, so. no. I didn't say he was elite. I was, I was just trying to make another comparison of a good receiver with not a not fantastic quarterback. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's definitely fair then. I think Kenny Galladay and David Blass probably more uh, applicable. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to respond to this question, uh, and I, I wasn't going to, but now I am going to go with a guy that's actually on the Chargers. I'm going to go with the wideout across from Keenan Allen, and that's Mike Williams. I, mean, I like it. He's the prototypical build of a guy you want in your team. If you know, if if you like built a my player on on you know whatever NFL whatever you guys play on Madden, if you, had, if, you <laughs> built, if you built a my player on Madden, I would literally put it in the build of Mike Williams. He was a, a dominant wideout at Clemson. He had he, he was really um, you know highly taught to come to the NFL, and he just didn't produced last year he actually did pretty well the year before i think it'll be interesting adjustment depending on who the quarterback is but at the same time anyone can throw the ball up to mike williams and he can go up and get it which is kind of like what hunter henry can do on that offense and i think it's why we we keep saying i'm not really concerned about who is the quarterback there because all their main targets are, are that athletic or that big they can go up and get the ball 
Um, so I'm going to go with Mike Williams just because, you know, he's wide receiver 40 right now for, for pre-draft. But I, I mean, I could see him putting up a solid, you know, 11, 1,200-yard season, especially with Melvin Gordon gone. There's no really workhorse back. Um, so I like Mike Williams. I like that too, Trent. And, you know, did you know that Mike Williams uh, put up an 1,000-plus yard season last year? Did he really? He did. I'm looking at his stats right now. I had no idea. Listen to these. These are pretty crazy. 49 catches for 1,001 yards with a 20.4 average yards per catch. Wow. That's insane. And he's and he's wide receiver 40 pre-draft right now. Imagine putting up an 1,000-plus yard season with less than 50 catches. That's pretty crazy. I think 20.4 yards per catch may have been the highest in the NFL last year. Did he lead the league? Um... You know, why don't I do a little Google search right here? Um, I think who made them. Yards per catch. Let's see. That's crazy, though. Yeah, that's that, that's, that's absolutely wild. And I mean, that means like he doesn't even need that many targets. To yep, up. yards per reception. Mike Williams, number one in the league with twenty point four. Who was number two? Just curious. Um, show two through ten. AJ Brown. As was two, Kenny Galladay was three, Diggs and Perryman were tied for four, and Mike Evans was six. Yeah, so Mike Williams isn't even a guy anyone's talked about. I don't think we've mentioned him in 20-plus episodes of the rollout, but, I mean, he doesn't need that many targets. You said he had, like, 40 catches at 20 yards a catch. He still put over 1,000 yards. You can't tell me he's not going to get, you know, 50, 50 to 60 targets on this offense. I think that's that has to happen. Yeah, you know, you combine – his production with his yards per catch last year with the touchdown numbers you saw in 2018 where he put up 10 touchdowns, you throw that together, man. Throw like 10 or 15 extra uh, catches on there, maybe finishes with 1,500 yards. Let's split the number and say seven to eight touchdowns. You have a potential top 10 fancy wide receiver on your hands. Yeah, I mean, and this guy's built like a little bit like Julio Jones almost. He's 6'4", 220. Oh, he was a monster he's, at Clemson. He's a big guy. And he was, a, he was probably the first wide receiver drafted – uh, you know, in his draft class, he was, a, he was the number seven overall pick, what, two years ago? And now he's already down to, you know, the, the 95th pre-draft without even giving him a, a good chance. You know, I think Mike Williams definitely slept on, and I'm glad he came up in this conversation. Yeah, me too. You know, I that is going to be a wrap on this episode of The Rollout. But, you know, I'm, I am happy that we got to show Mike Williams some love, and that uh, actually gives me a different perspective because he was a guy I was totally sleeping on heading into this year from a fantasy perspective. But now I'm definitely going to keep an eye out on, on him uh, in later rounds of drafts. Yeah, I mean, this is why we do the podcast, try to um, bring some light to some guys that you know may not be known that well. Yeah, absolutely. So the moral of the story of the rollout episode 22, draft Mike Williams. Why not? 95th. Yeah. If, you get, if he's still there in the right, eighth, ninth round, go for it. It's worth, it's worth your, your bench spot with this guy. Yeah. All right. As I said, that is a wrap on this episode. We hope you all enjoyed and we'll be back Thursday as always with another episode. Stay safe out there, everyone.